You know, I don't think it's any surprise to anybody when uh, you hear that phrase that it's just a phase. And we all know that life goes through sort of phases, and often when somebody will say to you it's just a phase, the, the unpar unsaid part of what they don't say is, uh, and you'll get through it. Because often when we use that idea, well, it's just a phase, it's about something in our life that we don't like the outcome of it. I, I'm in a different time in my marriage, and uh, it's just a phase, and, and we'll get through it. Or I'm in a difficult season in parenting, or I'm in a difficult place at work, or I'm, I have a health issue, and it's, it's just a phase, and I'll get through it. It's, it's the outcome that we're talking about when we say it's a phase, and I think it's okay that we encourage each other that way. And the idea we know is that I have outcomes in my life, and those outcomes, they came most of the time by decisions I make, but sometimes decisions other people made that impacted me, and now I have this outcome I don't like. And what we've been saying in this whole series is that there's one other part of that that we often sort of miss. That it's true that your decisions impact your outcomes, or other people's decisions impact your outcomes, but the real issue, if we want different outcomes, is not just making different decisions. And so we have to get to the underlying thought that led to us making the decision in the first place to get to a different outcome. Because every decision you've ever made in life relationally, it really goes back to a thought that you had about people or the people involved. And that thought you had, it led to a decision and then it led to an outcome. And if you don't ever look at the thought that you had, then you'll just make the same decision with a different kind of person and you'll lead to the same outcome. Same is true about financially. You, made financial decisions because you have a base understanding about the stuff you have and the stuff that's coming to your life and you make that decision and led to an outcome and you don't like the outcome and you think I just need to make different decisions but if you don't ever look at the underlying thought of it well you can't really make better decisions you're gonna wind up back at the same place and eventually back at the same outcome so the idea behind this series better thoughts is we've been talking about how do you do that thing of how do you get better thoughts so you make better decisions to get to better outcomes? Now, you might not know that, but that, that's right out of the Bible. And I'm not trying to say it's the only place that that's said, but we've been looking at this one place in the Bible, because we're a church and we're followers of Jesus, where this follower of Jesus named Paul, who's trying to help people he knows uh, become the kind of people that God wants them to be. And that's sort of what Jason and I want. That's what we want, is that we want to be the kind of people God wants us to be and we want that for you but really it's not just what God wants it's what we want I mean it's about us becoming the kind of people that we want and when Paul says it to the people he's been writing to here's the verse we've been looking at the whole time he, he says it this way don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world but God let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think so the way that God is at work is not just in getting you to have different decisions, different behavior. Of course, there are some behaviors he wants changed, but the way that God tends to work is not outside pushing it in on us. Is that God says, I want to start by changing the way you think, and if I can get at the way you think, then of course that'll lead to different decisions, which will lead to totally different outcomes in your life. So for the last few weeks in this series, Better Thoughts, we've been just going through that pattern, and we've been trying to give you some big foundational truths that'll lead to different kind of decisions in areas of your life that really matter like stuff and uh, decision making and how do you go about you know with relationships and they change those kind of things that lead to different outcomes now 
Today, I want to give you another great big one. And then next week, we're going to wrap this whole thing up, and we have a really important thing. I wish I could talk to you more about it, but what I have to talk to you about today is so important and so foundational that I, I really don't have time to even bring that up a little bit. So don't miss a conclusion next week. It's like everything else. If you miss a conclusion, you might draw the wrong conclusion of what we've been saying. So make sure you're here for the conclusion. But today, I want to talk to you about a really big foundational truth. And um, the good news I have is it's something you've already thought about. In fact, uh, I'm pretty sure everybody in here has a thought about this. It's something that you've thought about in this world, and it has to do with purpose in, in your life and maybe what the purpose of your life or what's the purpose of life and why do things go the way that they go in this world. And most of you in here, you have a thought about that. Some of you even have it as sort of a conviction, but at least you have a thought. And some of you believe there is a purpose, and my life has a purpose, and I just need to get my life in line with that purpose that is the purpose for my life. Others of you, you're probably not right there. You have more of the idea kind of thought of, uh, I don't know whether there's a purpose or not. There might be a purpose. If there is a purpose, I'm not sure people can know their individual purpose in life. I just try to do the best I can in my life, and purpose doesn't really enter into that thing. Other people, you're at the place, maybe you're we're in one of those places, but you've come to the conclusion of, look, you know, I, I just try to, I get to live, and then I'm going to die, and in between that time, I try to do the best I can and help people a little along the way, grab every moment that I can along the way, and there may be something after this life, there may not be something after this life, but either way, uh, if there's purpose, I don't know that we can find it. Now, you may have some variation of those things, but what I'm saying is almost everybody that I've ever met has some idea about purpose, whether there isn't any or there is one specifically. It may even go so far you have a deep-held conviction about this. And what your beliefs on this, whether or not you, you think there is a purpose or that you can know your purpose in life, uh, it affects the decisions that you make. Well, you decide what you believe about purpose and your purpose and what the purpose is, and if there is a purpose, it leads to a certain set of decisions, and that leads to outcomes in your life. It leads into outcomes with money, it leads into outcomes with people, it leads into outcomes with, well, I mean, those, that's your life. It just, it affects your over life. Now, the good news I have for you today is that God does have something to say about this, and if, if we can embrace what I, I'm going to talk to you about over the next few minutes, and we can get this as a, I mean, if we can get this as a foundational truth of our life, it will impact all the decisions of our life, and it really does change things. And uh, let me talk to you about it like this. I have, I, for the first time in 20-something years, I have little kids back in my life. I mean, uh, I now have grandchildren. I have eight little granddaughters in my life, and... Uh, I love being around them. I was going to show you a picture today, but who doesn't get tired of seeing other people's grandkids? So uh, I have these beautiful little girls in my life, all seven and younger. And what I've been re-remembering and having little kids back in my life is that there is a question that every little kid asks. And it hit me a few weeks ago when I was sitting on the swing on my porch with a couple of them, and uh, we got up to go do a couple of things, and the question came up. You know what the question is, right? It's, it's why. Papa, why are we putting that on the tomatoes? Well, it's because there's some stuff in that that helps them grow, and there are nutrients that are not in our ground that makes them grow better, and so we have to put this stuff on it to, to make them have really good 
uh, tomatoes. Well, well, why? Well, because they need certain kinds of food to become the kind of tomatoes that we want them to be so that we'll enjoy eating them when we get them, uh, just like you need certain kind of nutrients and we give you food to uh, make you grow. Well, why? Well, because healthy things grow, and when they don't grow, we know that something lacking, so we try to add it to it so that they can grow. Well, why? Because I, can eat, because I want to eat you one day. You know, uh, the why question a little bit when you're with little kids, it can, it can get a little tiring, it can get a little hard because they ask it all the time, but the truth is that curiosity that's in them, it's in all of us until we push it out. And God knows it. And so God looks at us and he goes, you know, I want to I let you have the, the inside track on why of the why of what's going on in this world. So I'm going to show you something in the next few minutes that's in the Bible. And before I show you what is in the Bible that gets us to the point of this, I want to give you this great, big, foundational, better thought. Now, it's really in two parts. So I'm going to give you the first part, and then we'll talk a little bit about the Bible, and then I'll give you the second part. And this really does get at understanding purpose and what's going on in the world and why that why kind of question that you have and then uh, at the end of this I'll get you the second part that sort of adds onto it but here is the first part of this great big better thought God is up to something in this world now you might not believe that and maybe you have a whole other idea about what's going on in the world but just for the sake, because you're here at a church, would you just maybe even be curious about it for the next few minutes as I talk about it, and sort of, so we can all get it together, would we all just say that out loud with me right now? God is up to something in this world. Now, I want to show you something. I want to show you something that's written in the Bible. This is in the Old Testament part of the Bible, which is thousands of years old. This is written hundreds of years before the life of Jesus, which is already Jesus's thousands of years before us. Uh, this is written by a guy named David, and here's what he says. Let the whole world fear the Lord. Let everyone stand in awe of him. Now, that whole idea of being afraid of God, a fear of God, that may not make a lot of sense to you, but what I want to say to you is this is a form of Hebrew poetry, and uh, it's the kind where you're not rhyming words, but you're rhyming thoughts, and often when you can't understand that first part of the fear of, of the Lord, uh, the second part of it will make it clear to you. So what David is saying to us is, hey, everybody at some point ought to just stand back and look at the stuff around them, and they ought to go, wow, look at, look at how this world is made. And we ought to stand back and we ought to go, wow, about God. Because he says, for when he spoke, when God spoke, the world began, it appeared at his command. Now, here's what I want to say. Don't, don't get lost in the weeds here for a moment because no matter what you believe about how everything came to be and God's involvement in that, whether you believe that God is the one that tipped over the first domino and he started a process and everything came to being and you believe that he's the bang behind the big bang and so he's the power that got it all started, or you literally believe he created everything exactly as the way it is in minute detail that he did that all in detail all at one time, uh, however you see that taking place. Don't get lost in that. What David is saying is no matter how you see in that of God being involved, what we know is, is when, you, 
when you get to the point that you realize there's something in this world, I mean, it ought to tend you to stand back and look at the world around you and go, wow, if there wasn't God, there wouldn't be me. If there wasn't God, there wouldn't, there wouldn't be you. If there wasn't God, there wouldn't be any of this. And, and here's why that's important. Once you get to the place that you deal with the thought of there's something in this world instead of nothing. I mean, instead of me not existing at all, I'm here. And instead of there not being anything, there's something. Then that leads you to the point of which that something had to, to start this, which science tells us there was a, po a point where everything started. Now, we disagree on, on what that starting point was and, and uh, you know, or uh, who was the starting point or whether it was a who or whether it was just a power behind it. But here's the question that leads to you when you go, there must have been a huge power behind getting this whole thing started. It leads to a logical next question. And the next question is not how. I mean, how's a big question, and people are working on how and trying to figure all of that out. But the really big question is not how, it's why. I mean, why did God start this? Why did God tip over the first domino, or why did God create it in minute detail? Why is there something and not nothing? Did God lose a bet? Did he get bored? Did he just need something to do? Did, did he, does he need something from human beings? Is God lacking something that we provide? Why did God make anything at all? Well, in the next little bit, what David does in the next part of this poem is he takes us through the futility of plans that human beings make. And David's king, and he knew all about plans, and you do too. And some of you are planners, and you know, if you're honest about it, that no matter how much in detail you go into a plan and how well you think it out, that you've had plans, they didn't come about the way you wanted. And what David talks about in the next verse or so is just, uh, really, man's plans are, are sort of futile. They sort of fall apart. But that leads him to a point that you almost can hear him use a big but, that there's a but coming. So he says, but, I think, but he says, the plans of the Lord stand forever. The plans of his heart stand through the future of all people. David realized that even though his plans and other people's plans, no matter how good we are at planning, that our plans are futile, but that God has a plan. That God is at work. Like something's up in this world. And God is up to something in this world. That's the first part of this better thought, but it's not the end. There's a second part of this, and it is the great, big, better thought that I find that we miss out on. And when we don't, we don't have this second part, it leads to decisions that lead to outcomes we don't like. But when you get this one in place, it really does affect your decisions. Here it is. God is up to something in this world, and you've been invited to be a part of it. I've been invited to be a part of it. God is up to something. God's up to something in this world. There really is a plan for this world. There really is a plan for my life. And it's not normally the way that I think about my plans and my big plan for my life, but that God has a plan for the life, and my little life has been invited to play a part in God's big overarching plan for this world. God has a plan. God's up to something in this world. You and I have been invited to be a part of it. Now, I'll just say to you, I think David probably arrived at that conclusion easier than, than we do because we, we're Western people and 
We grew up in the USA where we're rugged individualists and we really do, even most of us who wouldn't think of ourselves this way, we sort of think the whole thing revolves around us and God individually thinks about us instead of thinking about us in the overall point. But David, that's not the way he thought. It's not the, people, the way the people in his nation thought. It's not the way they saw the world. David and the people of his nation, they saw it through a story that they'd been telling each other about the world for a long time, and it's a story that m many of you know and you've heard in parts. It goes like this. God created the world and everything in it, and he made it. When he made it, it was perfect, and it was beautiful. He made human beings to be part of it, and he made human beings with this funny ability to, to choose, and we did choose, and we messed up the world and, and our relationships and everything in it. But God loved his world. God loves this place, and God's up to something in this world. And so God will not be thwarted by the, the choice of the creatures he's made. He loves us. He loves the planet. So God begins to work to get everything back on track and to restore everything back to the way that he wanted. So he goes to one man, a guy named Abraham, and he says, through you and your family, which he, he didn't have a family at the time, I'm going to create a nation, and through that nation, I'm going to bring about a man, and through that man... He's going to restore human relationship with me, and he's going to set in motion the thing that will restore everything in this world to the way that I want it, because I'm up to something. And Abraham, you've been invited to be a part of it. So Abraham, he has a son, and through that son, there come two sons. And through one of those two sons, there's 12 sons, and those 12 sons have lots of people, and they grow to a nation. God's up to something. Through this family, God is up to something, and they've been invited. They see it, and they're involved in a part of it. They get off track, and God goes to a man named Moses, and he says, I'm up to something, and I'm inviting you to be a part of what's happening in this world. And Moses invites the, the Israelites to follow him out of slavery, and they go to a land that God has given them, but they can't stay on track. And then through other prophets and priests and teachers and eventually judges, God tries to get the people on track because he's up to something. And they've been invited to play a part, and eventually they're kings that come on the scene. And then there's David. David who wrote what I read to you a minute ago. David who saw this thing. David becomes the second of these kings, and he looks around at the world, and he hears this story that is the story of the world, and he thinks, God is up to something, and in my generation, I've been invited in my generation to play a part in it. God has been up to something in our nation. God's been up in something in people from the beginning of time. And God was in Moses, and he was in Abraham, and he's in through the judges, and David said, he's, he's now in me. And then David died. But the story, it did not end. And different people came in different countries and different cultures and different languages over thousands of years, and they wrote down the story. And every place people would realize, God's up to something, and I'm a part of it. And to the point that eventually, in the city of David, a place called Bethlehem, a baby's born, and they named him Jesus. And when Jesus began to teach, people heard him teach, and they'd go. And God is up to something in that guy. God is at work in this world through that guy. God is up to something in this world, and I want to be with that guy. And they followed him around until eventually on the cross he's killed. And when he was killed, Jesus said, it's finished. And I guarantee you, every person that followed him around, they thought, yeah, right, it's finished. 
I guess God really isn't up to anything. God certainly wasn't up to something in this. We, we were just wrong. But three days later, Jesus was alive. And when he's alive again, he says to them, all authority has been given to me. So because I have all authority, I say to you, God is up to something in this world, and you've been invited to be a part of it. So I want you to go everywhere, to everybody you have influence. I want you to go to every place that you can go, and I want you to tell them that God is up to something, and he has something going on in the world. And through me, he's invited them to be a part of the restoration of all things in this world. And I'll be with you all the time. Well, that generation of people heard it, and they began to make decisions out of that. God's up to something, and he's invited me to be a part of it. And their decisions led them to tell other people, and those people that were told, they realized that in their life, in their time, that God was up to something. And so they took that, and they made decisions that led to outcomes that eventually led to other people coming, all the way down to they made decisions where eventually... Over the hundreds of years, it's come to the point that you and I and our generation, we stand in that long line. God is up to something in our world. And you and I, we've been invited to play a part in the plan that God has for this great planet of restoring human beings and restoring everything in God's creation to the way that God wants it. Now, there's some of you that right now, when you hear that, you go, right and I'm so glad that I get to be a part of it it's it's a little bit exciting but you're in church and when you go back into your world you get back into your life well that's where it begins to get off track some of you are thinking okay okay preacher I I get it I mean it's great God is up to something I get that and I'm so thankful that God has done what he's done in my life, and he's on track, and I, I want that. But where I work, in my marriage, in my kids, God ain't up to nothing. I mean, when I go home, when I leave this church today, I'm going to go home by myself because everybody else in my house, they don't think God's up to anything, and they make fun of me for believing that God's up to anything. When I get to work, I mean, I... I'm the only one there that doesn't talk about God like he's a curse word or make fun of people that believe in God. God ain't up to nothing. My neighborhood, God ain't up to nothing. I mean, there's something up in my neighborhood, but God ain't got nothing to do with what's going on in my neighborhood. In my school, there ain't nothing going on. God is not up to anything. So here's what I want you to know. You know, when Jesus was literally on the planet, and a lot of us hear those stories, or you hear me or... Jason or Nathan tell those stories and you think to yourself, I'd give anything if I were there because then you could see what God was doing. But here's what you need to know. Most people who saw Jesus, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't say God's up to something. Most of the people who saw Jesus do miracles and they do, seem to do these incredible things that we still talk about and they say, oh, that's a hoax. That's a trick. I mean, some of them said, oh, he's a demon. But God ain't up to nothing, not in our world, not with the stuff that we feel. In fact, there's this cousin of Jesus that we call John the Baptist who had, he had originally said, this is the God, this is the God, Jesus. But eventually he winds up in prison and he knows he's going to die at some point. And in prison he has the thought that everybody has when they're in jail. God ain't up to anything and I must have been wrong about God being up to something. So he sends some people who are friends of his to, to Jesus and he says, 
look, is, is God up to something in you or not? Because if he is, I can't see it. I just can't see it. And if you and I were to have the chance to talk to John, we'd go, oh, John, God is up to something in Jesus. God's changing the world through Jesus. I mean, from the point that Jesus came, people are going to, they're going to talk about the world differently, and it's going to impact the world. Even for people who don't believe Jesus, it's going to change everything in this world. God is definitely up to something, John. Don't miss it. And just like he couldn't see it, maybe you can't see it. But God is up to something in your world. I mean, you're here in your middle of high school, and maybe you like that, and maybe you don't like it. Maybe people are just saying to you, hey, it's just a phase. You just got to get through it. And you're just trying to hang on. And others of you are loving it, and they're saying, hey, don't miss it. It's just something you don't want to miss out. And they're talking about all the stuff that most of us look back on, and we go, I would never go through that again. They act like it's just the greatest thing ever. And you're thinking, what's the purpose of my life? And you can't see it. Here's what I want to say to you. God is up to something in your school. God is up to something in a good time and in a bad time. God is up to something. And you, right where you are, 6th grader, 12th grader, in college, God is up to something. And you've been invited to be a part of it. You don't want to miss it. You're here and you've, you've just gone through the worst time of your life. You're, just, you're in the middle of a divorce or you just got out of rehab or you're, you're still in the middle of trying to just stay sober, or there, there's something going on with your kids, and, and people are telling you it's a phase and it'll pass, but you, you think something might be happening. You're in the toughest period of your life health-wise, and you cry out to God, and all you can see is God's up to something in other people's lives, but God is up to nothing in my life. There's nothing going on, but I'm telling you, in good times and in bad times, in the times that you can see it, in the times you can't, can't, God is up to something in those times in your life. And I get you can't see it right now. But even in those moments, you've been invited to be a part of it. This is your time. This is our generation. This is your moment. And God has placed you in those places. And God is up to something in this world. And you've been invited to be a part of it, I'm telling you. When you get that as a foundational, better thought in your life, it leads to decisions. And it can change everything. I know everyone keeps saying that these are the best days of my life, but high school is going to be pretty tough to top. I served every Sunday in the same fourth grade class. I even got to baptize one of my students. I went on a mission trip help my best friend come to know Jesus. And tonight, we're gonna check out a church where we can continue making a difference. I know this is the time where you're supposed to figure out what you wanna do with your life, but I've got that figured out. I'm loving God, loving people, and serving the church. And everyone keeps saying that this is the phase where you make a lot of mistakes and have fun, but that's not how I see it. God has me in an environment where not everyone else can be and his purpose for me right here and right now. I know it's just a phase, but... I do not want to miss out on what God is doing right now. Sure, most of my days are spent with kids under the age of eight, and I do miss getting to have intelligent adult conversations, but my kids are only young once. And yeah, it's tiring, but there's something so amazing about being able to teach my children about God's love and then show them through how I love them. 
I do not get it right all the time, but I just know I'm not gonna have this opportunity forever. I mean, I'm also able during this time to build into the lives of some moms in a playgroup that we're in at the library. It can be so lonely and tiring raising kids, and I just wanna be able to love and serve these moms however I can. And with my youngest starting pre-K now, I know that God is putting more teachers and parents into my relational orbit, and I just don't wanna miss out on how God wants to use me in their lives. My kids are only this young once, and so I am going to take advantage of. Every moment is an opportunity to partner with God. A few weeks ago, I was talking to a guy who just moved to our office from a branch in Houston. He's talking about how he's got young kids and how it's hard for him and his wife to get any time alone. And before I even recognize the words coming out of my mouth, I'm offering for me and my wife to babysit for them so that they could go on a date. And I thought he was probably a little creeped out because he thanked me and walked away. But a couple of days later, he came by my office and asked if my offer was still good. He told me that his wife was really struggling with the move. And even though he didn't know us all that well, they'd really appreciate the help. So he helped. And now the whole family is coming over for dinner tonight. They're even joining us at church on Sunday. I thought because my kids and grandkids moved away that family was going to take a smaller role in my life. But God showed me He had other plans in mind for me. For me, life has been one journey after another of uh, me listening to God and trusting that His will for me is much better than whatever I had in mind. I raised a wonderful family, and I've watched my children teach my grandchildren about Jesus and His love for them. And now it seems He's not done with me yet. I recently retired, and I had no idea what was in store for me. I, teaching had been my identity for so long, I didn't know what to do. And then all of a sudden, a former youth group student of mine, who is now also a teacher, asked me if I could mentor a student of hers. She said his home life wasn't very good and he could use the extra attention. So I began mentoring him and within just a month or so, we've seen huge improvements in his morale and his schoolwork. Yesterday, his mom asked me about my church. Jonathan's been asking to go. They're coming this Sunday, and I'm going to take them out to lunch afterwards. <laughs> I know retirement is supposed to be a time when you finally relax, but there's plenty of time for that when I'm dead. This is just another phase, and I don't want to miss it. <laughs> See, if, if I can help you get from a foundation of it's, it's just a phase and I got to get through this no matter what it is to it's just a phase, and I don't want to miss this phase because God's up to something in this, and I've been invited to be a part of it. I mean, the implications of living that way are huge. I mean, you can see that, right? 
And see, the implications of it means every day of my life changes. Every morning I can now wake up in my life and when I have this idea that God's up to something and today God's invited me into it. It changes this thought of, well, what am I going to do today? Because I don't always know what's best for me, but whatever I'm in right now, God knows what's best for me. And everybody I meet, every person matters to God. And the stuff I have, it's been given to me by God. It's not mine, it's been given to me. It leads to better thoughts, this foundational idea, God's up to something in this world. Me, my stuff, and the people around me, God's invited me to play a part in their life. See, when you have that thought, it leads to decisions, and it changes outcomes. You know what the biggest outcome it changes? It leads you from interacting with times in your life, and you go from being frustrated, because I meet so many people, and they're just frustrated, and they ask, what's God up to in this world? And the frustration is... If, if there's a plan for my life, I can't see it because, of course, I have a plan and I keep praying about my plan. And, of course, God is only there to serve my plan. And I ought to be in charge of my plan in my life. And God's here to help me with my plan in my life. And I'm just so frustrated with all of that. But when you realize that God has a plan for this world and God's going to accomplish his plan in this world no matter what, and I decide that, I'm going to line my life up with, I have this better thought, I've been invited into his plan with my life and my moment and my decisions and my stuff and the people I relate to. I've been invited into his plan. The outcomes goes from frustration to this thing called joy. Joy isn't, joy isn't an emotion. It's, it's not happiness. It goes beyond that. Joy is this buoyant feeling of I live in an unshakable kingdom. The foundation under my feet is secure, no matter good time, bad time. I live in the unshakable kingdom of God. He's up to something. And his kingdom is not in trouble, and neither am I. So I can have joy in good times. And I can go confidently whether I'm a middle schooler and I'm unclear of what's going on in my school or I'm a high schooler and I don't know when anybody says, what are you doing with your life? I know what I'm doing with my life. I'm loving God and I'm loving people and I'm matching my life up with his plan and I'm trying to go forward and I don't want to miss this phase. Whether I'm an old person, I think I've done my time and nobody notices me anymore. No, God is up to something in my world and I do not want to miss it. I get this buoyant sense of every day matters, every decision matters, every moment matters and I don't want to miss it because God's up to something. So every week we've been trying to take these better thoughts and drive them home and we've used wristbands like this and we've used crosses and today I've invited our band to come up and we want to use a song because if I can get this as the foundation of your life you can build your life on this idea that God's up to something and he's invited me to be a part of it if I can build my life on that kind of thought it'll change every decision I make and the outcomes too so the band's going to lead us and I'm going to ask you to go ahead and would you stand up right now? And as they begin to, to lead us in this song, as you can begin to catch on, let's build our life on that thought, and it will lead to something totally different as we get this.